Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. I'm your host, Roger Abel. I'm here with Elias Randall, the plaid planner. And we just got back from a trip to Lake of the Ozarks where we decided to do a little business work down there. We had a little bit of pleasure. Um, and funny thing happened on the way down there. Elias showed me a picture on his Facebook feed, and I actually had seen it. And when I first glanced at it, I thought it was your Halloween costume, but it was actually your first day of refereeing yep. a college football game. Yep, my first uh, first college football game as an official. And full disclosure, that is also my Halloween costume. Uh, so when your five-year-old daughter asks you, hey, Dad, are you going to be a ref for Halloween? And you are. You just say yes and uh, throw on the uniform to go trick-or-treating. Yeah, so Saturday, last Saturday, that was my first college football game as a football official. Um, I'm already on a high school crew, but that was a cool experience for me. It was Co College versus Dubuque, and I played at Co um, several years ago. But the coach I played for, Steve Staker, he actually passed away last year. So another cool thing, they have a new scoreboard dedicated to him. So that was pretty cool. To my first game was on the field I played at. And then the coach I played for has a really nice new scoreboard dedicated to him. And uh, so all I did, I helped out with the penalty book. Um, I almost got ran into once. So that was my excitement for the day. I had to move out of the way so I didn't get creamed by some 22 year old middle linebacker that probably would have sent me to the hospital. So well, it was a good day. I know I, it was interesting because all day Elias had his nose and his phone. I'm like, God, he's really working hard today. Like he's getting after it. <laughs> and all I'd hear is I have 122 likes now. I have 175. I have 200. He was really excited about all the people liking his video. And that's why I said, well, is that your Halloween costume. So it yeah. was, it was pretty funny. And we spent some time on the way down there um, talking about what we were going to do for this show. And about two months ago, I had run across a podcast and I don't even remember what I was listening to, but I listened to a lot of podcasts and um, somebody was talking about this book. It's called 212 degrees, the extra degree. And, and the person talking about the book said how this book was life changing for him. So I gave Elias the assignment to go read the book just like I did. And I think there are really great parallels between this book and financial success. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about the author, Elias? I, I had you do some of that background work on the author, and then we'll kind of talk about the book and what we can learn from it to help people, what I have been coining, you know, charge your locomotive or your financial locomotive down the road. And I'm just going to start out with the very first quote in here um, before you talk about the author, because this kind of sums it up of what this really is. And the quote is at 211 degrees, water's hot. At 212 degrees, it boils, and with boiling water comes steam. And with steam, you can power a locomotive. And I thought about that for a minute. It actually gives me, I've got goosebumps right now as I think about it, because that means from zero degrees or whatever temperature you put that water on the stove, it did nothing for a really long time. That was not exciting at all. Then one extra degree or one little bit of more effort just literally powered this locomotive and we're going to talk about the ways this is so similar to financial success because most financial success is actually boring right yeah. if, if it's exciting that that maybe is a problem but getting to where you need to go can be extremely boring so elias tell us about the 
authors of this book and maybe a little bit about what their mission is and then we'll break into the other stuff. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so yeah, and that's a pretty powerful statement about the the locomotive and that's how the book starts. So I was pretty, I was fascinated by that as well. So there's actually two authors, um, two guys by the name Sam Parker and the other guy's name is Mac Anderson. And just a little bit, they both run a website and they've both written several books. They've both been executives and companies and own their own companies. And they're kind of, they're thought of as experts in uh, leadership and simplification, really. Um, they're really, a lot of their books, kind of the main message is how do we simplify this and focus on the important things? And this is one of their latest books, um, the 212 degree book. And, you know, the thesis of this one is, like, what are the small changes, just like you're talking about? What are the small changes that we can make? And then also when you're making those small changes, um, you know, push through when you're at two, 211 degrees, push through to get to the boiling point of, uh, of 212. So that's a little bit about those two. They're both regarded as uh, experts in this field. Yeah, so that's a little bit about the author. So, Roger, how does this relate to financial planning? What are the small changes? What are the things people can focus on to be successful? Well, the very first thing, Elias, that I think about, in because this is a long race. I mean, from the time water is put on the stove to boiling, it's a long time. And it's really like the period of time where someone's accumulating assets. And the number one thing, if you think about this, if you put in 10% of your income when you're 25 years old, let's say you're making $50,000. It's like $400 a month. So you get a statement in the mail that goes from 400 to 800 and then 1,201 and so on and so forth. And it's really boring for a long time. The first five to 10 years, there's arguably no gratification in savings. And, and in fact, think about this. You could have $5,000 in the account after 12 months of savings and the market could go up like 30% and, and you'd, have like, you know, 12 or $1,300 because yeah. if it went up early, you didn't get the growth on all that money. So that's the first thing I think about is the very simple change. And that's really what they talk about is how do we make very small changes in our behavior that lead to extraordinary results. So, um, that's the very first thing that comes to mind. Then I then I think about how can we simplify the financial planning process for people? Um, how can we get investors to simplify their overall report, approach to investing as well? Because I have this thesis that people have made this way too hard. It, it is not that hard if you can go out and put together a good financial plan, either on your own or with a financial advisor. Um, and then finding the investments, that's not that hard either if you have the time, desire, and knowledge, which we're going to talk about. Um, the other thing that we've realized in practice is that when people are confused, they have a very, very hard time making a decision because they're they're pulling and tugging inside saying, oh, if this happens, then I could do this. It's just not that hard. So if we can eliminate some of the confusion and the noise for these people, um, we can start to be much more successful in our long-term investing lives. Yeah, well, and it's probably fair to say between all of the financial media and just all the information out there, probably where it starts to become difficult is it could just be a matter of uh, information overload. I mean, you, if you just Google search like personal finance, you're gonna, you can get taken down so many roads that 
it gets hard to even decide, well, where do I even start? You have to, yeah, you're filtering the good, you're trying to filter the good information from the bad. And I do this in my business. We were listening to a podcast on the way home last night and I'm, I'm listening to what the gentleman's saying and he's a very credible source. And then I listen to it more. I'm like, Elias, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's meeting his narrative. So I'm always trying to sniff out whether I think this is valuable information or not, but I've done this for a long time. And, and it goes back, this is a great quote in this book, and it's really about the value of time. And it's by Earl Nightingale, who Earl Nightingale is a very famous radio show host. He died in 1989. I think I read he's done over like 7,000 radio shows, 250 media type events. And, and I thought about how significant that is because that's pre-internet. Right. You know, I see 250 like video or media events. I'm like, oh, that's not that many because we're sitting on like our 24th or 25th episode in like a few months. But but Earl Nightingale took a whole career to do 250. I'm like, oh, pre-internet. He didn't have access to be in front of people. But his most famous quote, he said, if you will spend an extra hour of each day of studying your chosen field. So in our world, it's financial practice. You will be a national expert in that field in five years or less. So I started thinking about that and we are seeing a movement today, very similar in the retail investing world to that of the late nineties, early two thousands during the dot-com bubble. And we did a radio show and podcast on this with Mike Grimm, who used to run the money on Mondays here on WMT radio, you know, 21 years ago, he's my cousin. And we're seeing this resurgence back to where people think they can do this themselves. And I thought about this quote and arguably that means for someone to actually be an expert in this field, it's 10,000 hours is what it really is to be an expert in a chosen field. You need 10,000 hours to be an expert in financial planning. So if you haven't put in 10,000 hours, why would you do this on your own? Because you're not an expert. Anybody can get lucky when things go up. It's all of the small, minute details that matter long-term, like rebalancing your proper asset allocation, you know, diversifying between different types of asset classes. These are all the things that matter. And it leads back to, if somebody can't put in at least an extra 60 minutes a day on their financial future, they probably shouldn't be doing this themselves, regardless of how smart they think they are. Yeah. We call this time, desire, knowledge. We've talked about this for a very long time. If you don't have the time, so in this case, it's really 60 minutes minimum, which most people, they don't spend 60 minutes a month on this stuff. So if you're not gonna commit 60 minutes a day, don't tell me that you have the time because you really don't have the time to become an expert. Yeah. Well, and I'll point out, he says an one extra what? hour of your craft. So typically most people, you're going to work an eight to 10 hour day. So whatever your typical day is, he's saying add another 60 minutes to that, right? He's not just saying, oh, 60 minutes a day, you can be an expert. He's in the ballpark of nine to 11 hours of your probably Monday through Friday working week, right? Right. And I think you have to remember the goal is not to make everybody an expert. Not everybody needs to be a national expert on financial planning, but you have to have a very good sense of financial literacy and what this stuff means to decide that you think you can do it yourself. So the first question is, do you have 60 minutes a day or, you know, 
60 minutes a week even to commit to this because most people do not do that regarding their investment or financial future. They might put in, you know, 20 minutes a week doing a budget or something like that. But for most people, they don't. And it's because they don't have the desire. Yeah, they don't have the desire. They don't have the desire to sit down and say, hey, I want to sit here and look at stocks and bonds for an hour every single day and learn about these and how it affects my financial life. And that's okay, but you need to realize that you don't have that desire. And then third is knowledge. Well, it's gonna take time and desire to get the knowledge to be an expert. And yeah, if and you- that's a key ingredient. Well, and every person I meet with, I tell them one thing. This is what we do for people. We become your time, your desire, and your knowledge. Right, because the information's out there. If you wanna find good investments, I mean, you can go find those. The question is, does it meet the objectives of what you've set forth to do over the next 20 and 30 years of your life? So that's really the second small thing that I think people could do next to just, you know, starting a systematic savings plan is decide, am I going to do this myself and commit X amount of time on a weekly basis? Or am I going to delegate this part of my life to somebody else? that is an expert in the field. I've been doing this for since 2002. So arguably we would be, I'd be considered an expert. I have 10,000 hours or 10,000 hours in this craft. More um, for you. Yeah, more for more me. More than 10,000. Yeah. yeah, I don't even, I haven't counted. I thought about adding it up. I'm like, man, I don't know if that's really even worth it. Um, so <laughs> right. that, that's really a really cool quote that Earl Nightingale had in here. So, so those are great points about delegation and, you know, and like you're saying, most people, it's not a bad thing that you don't have time or you sh probably should delegate because between your work, so between your career, your hobbies and your family, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all limit. We're all limited for time. Um, you know, and that's another, but this book about the small steps that make a big difference. Um, and I know one of the things we talked about in show prep, we talked about, well, this is one of the reason why like Dave, uh, Dave Ramsey's baby steps are so successful because really, if you really break down what he talks about and the things he does, they're really, really easy ideas. And he even, he even, uh, you know, talks about, it's not about being financially savvy. If you're following that, it's about the psychology of it and the psychological rewards of, you know, doing small things that build on each other and then compound over time. I spent a lot of time actually researching the two debt elimination methods that are out there. And one's the debt snowball, which Dave Ramsey, he didn't create the debt snowball. That'd been around. Yeah, he's, he's a great marketer of it. Correct. So there's the debt snowball and the debt avalanche. And the debt snowball you know, focuses on paying off the very smallest debts first, similar to this book, right? Because think about what happens when you pay off a small debt. You're creating momentum. Okay, I paid off the $300 credit card. Well, now that rolls, that $20 monthly payment now rolls to the next one. You start creating momentum until you get to the end where you've created this fabulous result. Well, then I went and I researched the debt avalanche, which the debt avalanche focuses solely on paying off the highest interest rates possible that you have. So you'd list your debts from highest rate to lowest rate, which that one makes the very most financial sense, right? Because it would make sense to pay off our highest debts. Well, a lot of times the highest debts could be, excluding house mortgage, could be a credit card or something else. 
that may take a very, very, very long time to pay off. And it would work similar to this book, right? Because if I keep making these payments and paying off the biggest debt, all of a sudden I've got a big impact, but it's not creating as much momentum as the debt snowball. So I thought when we were on our drive down to Missouri, I, I thought about that. I'm like, this is what it's like. You're just creating momentum with small, small tasks versus tackling these giant, these giant tasks that feel like, oh my gosh, it's going to take forever to get this done. And there's no satisfaction, which it is going to take forever to get most of these things done. Yeah. Okay. And that's what yep. this is about. But once you hit that boiling point, man, stuff starts to happen and it just gets easier and easier and easier. And it happens in the business world. It's happened for me. It's happened for people I know that, you know, 10, 12, 13 years, and it's just all the same. And then something happens. This is really just the momentum starting to carry people down there. Um, and, and one of the things I've seen today is people are in this mode where they just want to get rich quick. Everybody's always wanted to get rich quick. That's not really how this works, right? If you get rich quick because you invested in something, some asset classes just went through the roof, well, that's, that's great. I'm happy for you. But that's really not the way to win the investing game. So some of the small steps I think about, um, and we talked about breaking this into different stages of life or investing life. You know, first we, we have accumulators. Well, accumulators, the number one way they can do this is by setting up a systematic savings plan. So $50 a month, $500 a month, I don't care what it is. Something that happens regularly and consistently. So for most people, it's probably their 401k at work. Yeah. And they'll save in that for 20 or 30 years if they stay at the same employer or they switch. But all of a sudden, one day they're going to wake up. And if they follow our process, they're going to have a million dollars or $2 million or whatever it is in the account. And it was literally just a small step one time a month to get to this massive result. Yeah. And it can be, you know, that the great part about systematic savings is, it can really be that simple. Um, just buying, you know, you pick a good fund, pick a couple good funds and over time, just keep buying and you can have, you can have great results. And, you know, the good thing for our clients or people listening, um, you know, if you delegate, if you delegate that to us, you don't have to worry about picking mutual funds or picking an investment strategy because you've hired us to do that. And, you know, there's talk of, you know, people talk about fees and working with a financial advisor. And I always, one idea I always throw out there is there can't be that many people who hire a professional in their 20s or 30s and follow an easy systematic plan that they have someone to help guide them through. People that do that, there can't be many of them that do it and then are unsuccessful for their financial planning. I just don't think that happens. No, I, I, I actually 100% agree with that because the sooner we can get a hold of people to help them, the bigger the impact we can have. Think about this. We have a person who's 58 years old, either going to retire the next year or nearing retirement. Well, I can tell them what they need to be need to do to be successful in retirement. But if they, they tell me they want to spend $10,000 a month each month, but when we run through their financial plan, the computer says, hey, really to be successful, it's like 7,000. There's not a whole lot I could do to help that individual. Because once you get to retirement, 
you're either there or you're not for what you want. Because you think about a football field. You've went 99 yards. You're on the goal line. All I can really do is help you punch it in and not fumble. I can't determine how long it took to, to get to the 99-yard line. I can't control any of that. All I can control is say, hey, these are the steps we need to take to be successful. Where if you flip this back and we get a hold of someone who's 25 or 30 or 40, we can start implementing the changes that are really important to build the retirement that they want. I mean, we're advocates that everybody should have a financial plan. Um, and if you need one, go to our website, btwellshow.com, find an advisor, get a plan. Um, we're happy to help you, but we do this for every single person because people are like, well, why does a 28 year old or a 30 year old or a 35 year old need a financial plan? Well, it's not to tell them they can retire. It's to put them on the right track. Because if somebody says, I want to live on $10,000 a month, we can plan for that. But you can't just wake up at 55 and say, I want to live on 10000 10, a month. If you haven't done any planning, you may have got lucky along the way. And maybe you put some effort in to do this. But we can make changes that have huge impacts because we have a lot of time. We have the compounding effect. The compounding effect of wealth and money over time. Yeah, and the great thing, the younger to go along with the theme of this book, the younger you are when you start, the smaller the changes need to be, right? So to set up a financial plan, like we talk about all the time, you can start with 50 bucks a week. And I don't know a lot of people that that would be too hard for, but that can be very meaningful over a long period of time. But so let's talk about, you know, when we started talking to people nearing retirement, some of the small steps for them, and we, we wrote some things down. So people who are getting closer to retirement age, I think some of the small things, and I wanna get your thoughts on this, is that important to start defining some more specific goals like the lifestyle you want in retirement, the income you're gonna need, and then maybe some bigger picture ideas, like maybe you've always wanted to take your whole family on a vacation, or you wanna pay for your grandkids' education. Um, you know, are, do you have thoughts on that or what are the small steps start people, I guess, kind of fine tune those parts of their financial planning? So most people that come in that are getting ready to retire are looking to answer a lot of the same questions. How much can I spend? How much interest do I need to earn to be successful? How long will my money last? That's those why are, they're here. Yeah, those, those are, are the, the big ones. questions. Yeah. Um, so when we build these plans, we have the ability to go schedule out in, in schedule out how much people are going to spend. So you made a, made a point about of taking a $10,000 vacation, right? Well, I found that there's really three phases of retirement. And if we think about and frame retirement in these three phases, we start to look at different costs of living in retirement. So the first phase is the go-go phase. It's the point where you're all excited. You've never been able to just wake up and not get in the car and go to work. You can go on vacation and see your family. And during the go-go phase, people typically spend more money, right? If you have been living on 5,000 a month, well, maybe now you're living on seven in the go-go phase because you have the time to go, to go out and yeah. go see the grandkids or go to Florida for vacation or three three months in Arizona. Yeah, you're buying um, that RV you always wanted. You're well, going you're going where you wanted to go. You're doing all these things. And some of it's time. 
Yeah. Like they become bored. And the good analogy of this, I got my wife a new computer for Christmas and we talked about this. Well, the purchases went up because now she's on the computer all night long. It's really easy to shop on the computer. Usually, you know, 20 years ago, she'd have to leave the house and go to Von Mauer. But today yeah. she just dials up the computer and she's got Nordstrom and whatever she wants at her fingertips. So the, that go-go phase is similar to that. Hey, this is like a new shiny toy. I'm going to go use it, which is my time in retirement. Yeah. And you should, you, you should, should enjoy it. You should use it. Yeah. The, the second phase is the slow go phase. And this is where people start to slow down. You know, they may take a vacation, but they're not going to Mexico or they're not spending a year in Italy or whatever it is. And part of it is they've lost the motivation to do that because they've gotten older or they physically can't do it as much. Right. I mean, we all are going to unfortunately hit a point physically that we'll be limited in what we can do. Mm-hmm. And then that leads into the last phase, which is the no-go phase. And the no-go phase is basically, you know, when we are dependent upon somebody else to help take care of us. Um, and all of those phases that we have, you could plan for, right? I, we could enter into the financial plan and say, well, we're going to spend our monthly budget's 5000 but we're going to spend another 2000 a month on travel. Well, we can do that. And then we could back it off for the slow go phase and the no go phase, we could make the small adjustment of looking at some type of insurance to ensure your, um, your nursing home, long-term care, uh, home health care, if you're actually going to need it. Some people are self-insured, but those are small things, right? I mean, it's making a financial plan from a client standpoint, making a financial plan isn't that difficult. They literally have to get us some documents and most people can organize them in about 30 minutes. So this goes back to time, desire, knowledge. You know, wouldn't it just be easier to spend an hour or two or three hours? I mean, I think our whole process from beginning to end client facing is like maybe four hours. So that comes back to, you know, if somebody can't commit four hours to doing a financial plan, they definitely can't do this themselves. Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, you're you're going to have a hard time because yeah. there's a lot more. And we're talking about the, the time we spend with clients. Well, all the works really when they're not around. That's the that's the work people don't see because that's us. We're building the plan and then we're talking about, OK, here's the conversations we had. This is what they said their goals are. This is what their questions are. So we're trying to help, you know, just think through those things and help show them here you know, here's the scenarios, here's what you asked us about, and here's how we model it. So there's a lot more work than just the four hours, but for them, it was a couple meetings, get us some documents, and they had to provide insight into their life, right? They right. have to answer our questions, ask us questions, and engage in the process, well, but our whole, we're doing the legwork. Our whole goal of that process is to put our side or ourself on their side of the table because the more we can see retirement and their goals from their point of view, the better job and more prudent recommendations we can give people. We had a gentleman the other day that came in and wanted to talk about an asset class that we don't really deal with and can't deal with. And he contacted five other financial advisors, not one other person contacted him back. And he said, why is that? I said, because they don't want to deal with this. I said, but my job is to tell you whether that alternative asset class you're you're doing is good or bad. My job is to get in your world and figure out how to make your retirement work in concert with your beliefs and your values, knowing that that is what's important to you. Yeah, and that, that's, he liked that because right. it, it is our job. Our job is not to have an opinion on 
what you think about things. Our job is to work with you. And I was able to get into his world for a little bit. And we're going to be able to do a good job for him. And nobody else wanted to help him. Nobody sent five emails. We we're the only people that responded. And it's yeah. because we're, we want to help people. I right. Mean, and that's our job. Helping people is really our job. If somebody thinks our job is picking the next greatest investment, they're at the wrong place because that's not what our job is. Um, and this kind of leads into the next one. And, and I thought about this a lot and I know we talk about it, but there's a, there's a chapter in here in the 212 commitment. Cause that's really what this is called is the 212 degree commitment. It's called pruning the diversions. And I am a great believer in this is that distractions create this lack of focus and to do well at most things, you need to be very focused. I read an article, I don't know, it was like six or seven years ago, and I don't remember exactly what famous person, might have been Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or somebody, and the interviewer asked them, what's the difference between you and everybody else? Why can you have this level of success and nobody else does? Or very few people, I shouldn't say nobody, but very few people do. Yeah. And he said the difference, the primary difference is focus and execution. And I thought about that. If you're not focused, you can't execute. So it goes back to if, if you're doing your own financial plan, but you can't focus on this, you're not going to be able to be committed to, to doing it. And think about your life. I do that. You know, I do this in my life. I try to simplify things as much as possible and get rid of any distraction or anything that can cloud my mind because I believe the more stuff that's going around in your head, the less you can focus on what's actually important. And for most people, retirement money is important, but it's probably more their family, their faith. Yeah. Those things are what's truly important to people and not so much whether I make an extra half a percent because I did this myself. And that's because you think you're saving half a percent, right? Right, right. You save half a percent in fees. That's not what's important to people. They think it is, but it's not the driving factor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's another great thing for our clients is not only delegation of time, desire, and knowledge, but this is a great point about commitment and focus. They're really delegating those parts of their financial life to us too, because I mean, when we make a financial plan with someone, we really, our whole goal is we're going to stick to this plan because we're using software and technology that says this puts you in the best position to succeed. So, and I think we do a good job of, you know, I hear you and you say this to people all the time, we're going to use the plan to make decisions and we're going to communicate to you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I think people appreciate that and they're delegating that commitment and focus to their plan to us. And it makes it, it makes it easy for them. And then they can feel good about the decisions, the, uh, the decisions they're making or feel good about the things they're doing. We, we talk about this a lot. There was a football game that happened. Was it the Seahawks and Patriots? Yeah, su yeah, the Super Bowl, yep. Right, so think about this. When people come in here who are ready to retire, they're either there or they're not. They're literally at the one-yard line. And we have a choice. We're, we're coach, we're calling the plays, we have a choice. Yeah. We can, and this is my analogy I came up with on the drive to Missouri, I could put refrigerator Perry under center and let him quarterback <laughs> sneak this thing, or whatever, right tackle, sneak it in, whatever it's called, and you put the big guy behind center, just make somebody tackle him. Or 
I can do the reverse triple Lindy flea flicker from the one yard line and try to make it super complicated. And more right. times out of not, more times than not, what's going to be successful? Yeah. So if you're on the one yard line, you're not running triple reverse pass. Yeah. So who is the, what was the team? I think it was a Super Bowl. You, you always reference this when I talk about yeah, this. Yeah. So yeah, I, when we talk about it, I always say, yeah, when Marshawn Lynch is in the backfield, you don't throw it when you're on the one yard line. It did, was, did that was actually few, happen? Yeah. So Seattle was on the one or two yard line. Marshawn Lynch is their running back, and everyone knows he's one of the best running backs ever. And they threw a slant pass to the wide receiver and um, Malcolm Butler, I think. Yeah, that was kind of like his jump to fame because he made a huge play and he got an interception on the goal line in the Patriots. And the Patriots won the game. And it's a great analogy for our business because people come in, they've done the hard work. They're on the two-yard line. And what we don't want to do is call triple reverse pass and have all these complicated things going on that – one, it confuses them. They're never going to understand. And two, we don't need that to be successful. Well, you made the other good one. You said, and we also don't need to do the Hayden Fry naked boot. Which I would right? love. To, I, love the, I love to call the naked boot, but, but we, we don't, don't need, need it that either. We, yeah. I think about that, and I think football analogies are fun because people relate. What am I doing when I do the naked boot with my quarterback? I'm putting him in harm's way. Your most important player is exposed right. at that point. That's like yeah. taking your investment portfolio and say, hey, we're going to do a naked boot. People don't want that. It goes back to being boring. What's boring? Giving Marshawn Lynch the ball four times in a row and saying, I believe this is the best way to be successful. And if I'm not, it's probably the same result as doing the naked boot or the slant pass across. I mean, statistically it's probably the same and yeah. when we do the financial plans we always talk about this the goal of the financial plan is to eliminate luck and hope those are the two words people don't want in their financial plan is luck and hope um so you you put in this outline what's the secret sauce to being successful not just financially but in life i mean this book talks about things in life how to be successful too one of the things i thought was great and i think as adult adults we all become less connected with a lot of our friends. And it had a little chapter that said, well, think if you made the goal to have lunch with one different friend or person each week. Well, doesn't sound like a lot, like oh, I go to lunch one time. But if it was a different person each time, you opened up 52 more areas of your life. You built relationships with 52 more people. And if you do that for two and three years, imagine just what happens to your life. And we're believers in learning. Because if we're not learning, we're just saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we did the the show on New Year's resolution, and my New Year's re- New Year's resolution is to make sure I read one book e- one book a month, which that's not a big goal, right? I mean, but it is if you haven't done that before. And I'm I read lots of articles, and I read the Wall Street Journal, and I read Bloomberg, and I read all that stuff, and I read Fishing and those types of magazines. But I don't commit to reading books. So this year, my goal is to read one book. Well, I'm on my fifth. So you're doing good. And I've learned a lot. And yeah. I think that's really cool. So um, the secret sauce is really simplifying. Take very small steps to achieve enormous results that can turn boiling water into steam to power your locomotive to retirement. Um, with that said, I don't have a whole lot more to talk about. I appreciate everybody listening. Elias, do you have any kind of closing remarks you have for the show today? Uh, yeah, my closing remark, we just talked about the secret sauce. So 
the secret sauce to investing isn't the next new uh, big idea or big company. It's not getting in on the GameStop trade. It's not buying some asset class you really don't know anything about. Uh, the secret sauce is what you're talking about. Simplify and stick to the plan. Yeah. Well, that said, if anybody needs information on getting a financial plan or wants some help, the website's btwellshow.com. We look forward to catching you next time. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional.